this episode of Saintly Witnesses, where I talk to the Catholic behind the account. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. James McGuffey, who is a professor of computer science, and he's also the dean of, the dean of School of Sciences at Christian Brothers University. Um, today, he's going to come through and share his uh, faith journey and talk a little bit about uh, the movement of computing for the social good that he has been involved in. So definitely thank you for um, coming through today and sharing uh, this vital information with us. Sure. Uh, my name is James. Pleasure to be here and uh, talk a little bit about my personal journey, but then also my professional uh, job and how that relates with my faith as well, too. Okay. So, I, uh, sorry. No, 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 no. So, um, you know, James, uh, as a, a academic and a, a professor, he has a lot of experience in public research. Uh, he has a lot of work in the Journal of Computing Science in colleges. Uh, he has received a lot of different grants and what, and uh, published a lot of research and scholarship in this field. So just glad he's able to share some wisdom on this. Um, so yeah, let's jump into the the program. Um, as far as your faith journey is concerned, were you grew up a Catholic or you a revert or did you convert to the Catholic Church? I was brought up as Southern Baptist. Uh, my father actually was a Southern Baptist minister. And so I was introduced as a Christian as an early age. Uh, I was actually baptized when I was seven by my biological father, which was interesting because when I did convert as an adult, uh, having the attesting to my baptism was my own biological father, which was kind of special uh, because the priest did ask, are you sure it was the Trinitarian form? And my father was able to affirm, yes, it was, because he is the one that had done the baptizing. Uh, growing up at a, as a Southern Baptist, I uh, really became enthralled in, with the Bible itself. And so that was a really strong part of my early uh, life was reading and, and studying sacred scripture. In fact, it actually got me in trouble sometimes in uh, the Baptist circles because I'd actually read it and would ask questions. And sometimes I find that people don't like when you ask questions. Uh, and so one of the things that actually draws me to the Catholic church is where questions are welcome. And I find that really strong. So jump forward ahead to a lot of life uh, to in my mid-30s, I meet and married the love of my life, uh, Lynn Barta, now Lynn McGuffey. Uh, she's a cradle Catholic. Uh, she is, her family is from Czech heritage. Uh, I was living in Austin, Texas at the time. She's from a small town called Moulton. And, and that's who she was. And we both uh, appreciated and agreed to our faith with each other. We got uh, counseling uh, with both churches. And in fact, uh, and our marriage received dispensation from the then Bishop of Austin. And so our marriage is a valid ceremonial Catholic wedding, even though it was performed by a Protestant minister. And then that's forward, the blessing of the Lord, two children. Our oldest son went forward uh, for a first communion. And before first communion in second grade, he had this retreat uh, and I went with him. Uh, my wife stayed with our youngest son. And at that retreat, I remember a video from the convent that helped make the Eucharist wafers for uh, the diocese we were in, the Diocese of Covington. This was uh, in Northern Kentucky. 
And my heart started to question and really think about this. I, I knew I was a Christian. I knew Christ was Lord, but had not joined uh, with the Roman Roman Rite of the Holy Catholic Church. The Saturday morning of my son's first communion, as I was helping him get dressed, put on his brand new shoes we'd bought him, helping him with his necktie, he looked up and said, Dad, why don't you become Catholic so we can take communion together? And that's what I call the Holy Spirit, use that to pierce my heart. And the very next day I signed up for RCIA and that began my journey. And then I entered the church in a spring of 2017 at the Easter Vigil. Okay. Uh, so, so a lot of people think about, and when I hear a lot of conversion stories, there are a lot of um, intellectual reasons. For me, I've been intellectually a Christian and even a Catholic for a long time because of my understanding of sacred scripture, sacred tradition, reading of the saints. But it was really that emotional piercing of my heart uh, through my son, uh, which is a blessing. Okay, thank you for sharing that. That's really, really powerful. And the fact that you are really kind of a, a toddler in the faith, uh, in, the, in the Catholic faith still, that's amazing to hear. And the fact that your, your son inspired you to become Catholic uh, is really inspiring too. I think I think a lot of times we underestimate the the children and their faith and like the the uh, uh, impact that they can have on our faith. But um, yeah, that's that's powerful. But it works out in synergistic. So for example, a year after the third grade, my son's like, "Do we have to go to mass every Sunday or so forth?" I go, "I didn't convert to the church, so we don't go." Yes, yeah, so we're going every day, holy day of obligation. And we joyously go and, and, and participate in Mass together as a family. The joy. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, yeah, so next question. Um, as a Catholic these, these years, have you had any memorable, a memorable moment or a teaching that has really you know, stood out to you or a person of the faith or something? Well, this is where really it intersects with my working life. And that is... Uh, one of the great things about becoming a convert is opening up to all the saints and the saints' lives. Uh, as a Protestant, you know, Scripture is very much highly valued, but you don't really look too much in the history in the past. So opening up that chapter and being able to be revealed has been eye-opening. And one of the saints to me is St. John Baptiste de La Salle, which is the patron saint of the Brothers of the Christian Schools, of which by Christian Brothers University is named after, sometimes known as the LaSallean schools after St. LaSalle. And just really his methodology and the way he's teaching is that while we do for others and that God is always present, that's something that's very important. Uh, St. LaSalle is to me one of the action saints. He's not one of the ones to go off and contemplative. He taught his brothers Wherever you are, you can pray, you can seek God. And having God, this awareness that God is with us no matter where we are is really important. Uh, that, and that has struck me as very much uh, important as well. And the fact that St. LaSalle also saw as a mission to help those in poverty. And uh, about a year ago, our bishop, uh, was speaking to our university 
and actually drew parallels between St. Mother Teresa and St. LaSalle and their work and charity for the poor. In very different aspects, St. Mother Teresa for the poor and the near dying in India, St. LaSalle for educating uh, young men in France, but it's, it's still that passion, that desire that God gives us for love of neighbor. And how does that express in what we do? Uh, that we're not insular, we're in this together as a community is very, very important. Yeah, the Saints definitely had an aspect of, um, you know, giving us a lot of wisdom that's applicable to our lives. So I definitely uh, connect with that. So as a convert, what would you say to another convert who was discerning the Catholic Church? The one thing that I would say that I helped me out the most is to go and experience or which is the reverse of come and see. I remember my year of conversion heavily in the RCA program. The most impactful was not the two hours a week in the program. Sorry, Deacon Mick, he's nice. But, but what really was impactful was going to mass often and being there before the Blessed Sacrament, even though not consuming because I wasn't yet a Catholic, but being there and to go to different types of masses. I remember the fall of 2016, I went with Brother Joel Balmeyer, a Lasallian brother. A priest had passed away, and he'd been a friend of the brothers, and Brother Joel needed a ride, so I drove him to the funeral, and it was the bishop, presiding bishop was uh, leading the funeral mass. And I'd been to other masses, but this mass for this beloved man of God who had given so much, and the way the form that was there really gave me an eye-opening experience to what was happening. And also during that mass, something very interesting happened. One of the, uh, the father's relatives that were there for his mass had a cardiac event. Luckily, it was okay. But the bishop who was providing right in the middle of communion went and cared for the person, but also kept sacred the Eucharist at the same time. I was like, how is this man doing this? I mean, obviously a bishop for multiple decades to figure out how to do this, but it was very eye-opening. And, and that's what I would tell people looking to go is to go and experience and see. Don't just read about it. Don't just hear about it, but go and experience and sit before the Lord. Go to an adoration and sit and be with God. It, to me, it's, uh, it's Father Dave Dwyer mentions uh, that we want a friendship with God. Well, what's the thing we do with friends? We spend time with them. So if we want to be friends with the Lord, go spend time with him. And to me, that would be a really important advice. It is definitely empowering. Spending time and experiencing God. And I'm going to touch on that later on before we close. So next we're going to go into the human interest component of the program. And uh, as I said, you know, you're a professor and a dean and you have a lot of accomplishments and accolades in computer science. So what influenced you to um, you know, work in this field? Sure, and more than computer science, I'm also an educator. So as I was an undergraduate studying computer science way back in the mid 1980s, there was a data communications class and our teacher had us give presentations. And from that presentation, he pulled me aside and said, you seem to really enjoy explaining. Have you thought about teaching computer science? And from that, he guided me and gave me suggestions about grad schools, about getting the PhD. 
So my goal in getting the PhD and doing research has always been about teaching and learning. So uh, yes, I do have uh, about 14 peer-reviewed publications, but the majority of them are what are called pedagogy-based, which is the science and learning of educating. So I'm more than just you know generic CS professor. I'm also you know an expert in CS education. I've written articles about you know assessment. I know why, for example, a multiple choice question with three options is just as valid as before, and could go on and on about that. But what that is to me, and just to sort of summarize it, instead of thinking as accolades, it's my passion. What have I felt passionate about exploring? And that's why I tell my students as well too, find out what interests you and go toward that and, and, and be the best you can in that area and see where that takes you. And so that's where these accolades come from and, and the education, it's all in service to really how do we teach and what do we teach and why is that important? I like that you, you made it personal. It's not just about the accomplishments or the, the work that you publish or the grants that you receive, but it's about, you know, actually, you know, connecting with the field that you work with. I think that's uh, important. So at the beginning, exactly. I met, oh, you can go. Sure. The, the one thing about the publications, not just that they were accepted, what I really enjoy is when others write me back after having read something I've written. Like, I got this really nice letter from Franklin University that said, we incorporated your article into our teaching guide for our teachers. So it's that it's, it's being used and then people are finding some use for it, as I found use for what others have done, too. It, it's this idea in academia of sharing and great ideas get shared and used by others. Definitely true, definitely true. Um, so at the beginning of the introduction, I mentioned computing for the social good. Um, and I know that you work in that and have some experience in that. Could you give us like a definition of what this is and um, how it, has it developed kind of in, you know, in previous or in years? How has it become like a, a big force? Absolutely. Happy to talk about that. One of the major sort of umbrellas for this is called the ACM. It's the, it stands for Association for Computing Machinery, but that's because computers look different in 1940. But it is the professional group for really anybody in computer science, IT, software engineering. It's, it's a large international organization. And as being a large and professional connect in, they connect in what are called by SIGs or special interest groups. For example, there's a specialist group on artificial intelligence, specialist group on database. I'm also a member of the special interest group of computer science education. But there is another one that's not a large one, but very important called the special interest group on computers and society. And it's a reflection of professional computer scientists of what does it mean in our profession that we're just not building machines to build machine sakes but it intersects with humanity and, and what does that mean? What, what does it mean uh, when we create this technology the impact upon humans, not just, oh, it's pretty to look at and what it does. And so from Computer Society has sprang this up idea of computing for the social good. And it also is intersected with computer science education as well, too, uh, one of my good friends, uh, it's Professor Xavier University in Cincinnati, uh, spearheads this uh, 
Mickey. Uh, and he really promotes the idea that as we're educating students and giving them examples on databases, for example, why not have a database that can actually solve a local problem uh, for a nonprofit? One idea is a soup kitchen inventory, the inventory of food. So why not have a program that insists that? And it starts out from those small ideas to having finding where people can help with projects using the power of computing, whether it's an application, whether it's a database software or any kind of in interface to really help humanity in some way. And that's really what I inspires me as well too. So when I work with our students and I still teach primarily our seniors in their senior research project, we do software development and then software development becomes uh, computing for the social good projects quite often. Uh, two examples going on now. Uh, we have uh, at Christian Brothers University, the AutoZone Center for Engagement Learning, Learning Engagement. And we're in partnership with the Memphis Public Libraries. Uh, it's called the Fourth Bluff Project. Memphis is known as the Fourth Bluff because the Fourth Bluff uh, from the Gulf of Mexico along the Mississippi River, that's the name of the city. Uh, Memphis is a very diverse town, uh, but sometimes segregates itself pretty severely, except that right around the river parks is an area where all Memphians can congregate. And what does it mean to build community? So Christian Brothers University is working with Memphis Public Libraries on this idea of the Fourth Bluff Project of bringing people together throughout the city. And we have actually four different areas working on this project. Uh, there's a class in humanities uh, discussing content. What is it that would draw people together? Uh, we have students in our graphic design program about if we're going to have this information for people, how do we synthesize it? We have mechanical engineering students to talk about if we're going to have information kiosk, how do we actually structure design it so it works? And then my students in computer science are writing the actual code together to build this as an information project uh, in cooperation with the Memphis Public Library. I also have three students working with uh, Brother Martin. Brother Martin is a Salian brother originally from Spain, uh, but in the US education, and he's also an environmentalist. And they're doing an application on noise pollution in Midtown Memphis. Uh, so we live, uh, our university right in Midtown Memphis in the direct flight path of the Memphis airport. We'll see FedEx airplanes a lot of times flying overhead. And the study of how does noise pollution affect us and wildlife? And is there anything we can do to mediate it? As the city goes to build city parks around our university, are there natural barriers that can be built up to help prevent some of the noise pollution from the streets and the traffic to help make a more sane and, and livable environment for all? So those are just two examples of Computing for the social good they're working on right now. So it sounds like a lot of computing for the social good. Obviously, when we talk about social good and in Catholicism, you know, we have Catholic social teaching, and with this emphasis on the common good, I immediately find or I immediately hear like a link between you know social good and the common good. And it sounds like a lot of what you guys are doing in like the Memphis area. 
involves, you know, Catholic social teaching, whether they be, you know, being stewards of the earth and like trying to be more environmentally aware, uh, enhancing human dignity through like different applications. Uh, it sounds very much, you know, involved with Catholicism. It absolutely is. It's very much in harmony and it reaches out where, to me, where uh, Pope Francis, but also our local bishop, but also the brothers of the Christian schools talk about how our Catholic faith leads us to this importance of serving others and working with others. And at the same time, we will work with others too. That's an important, uh, I think, of a solid university that it's not just Catholics who attend. So we're proudly a Roman Catholic university, uh, but we welcome people of all faiths uh, to work together on these projects. And to me, that is uh, uniquely Catholic too. It's what I, one of the things when I was going uh, through my conversion year at the front of the mass booklet, uh, the missile, uh, was the instructions for, uh, you know, who was allowed to take communion. That if you're a Christian but not in the Roman Rite, uh, there's this joint. But it also goes and talks about people that who aren't Christian but share a belief in God, how you still can join together to work together. And, and to me, that's important to our faith as well, too, that we believe in, and I fully believe uh, in the Nicene Creed and that the church is the fullness of the faith. Uh, but even though we have the fullness of the faith, every human has dignity. Every human has, uh, was created by God, is created by God. And so there are connections to be made that we can use and serve and work together. Yeah, and that definitely leads into the next question, which is, uh, how as a Catholic do you, um, you know, work out your faith and insert your faith with um, CSG? It is, um, to me, it's almost like, it's not inserting, it's just like who I am. It's like, uh, imagine lemonade, I don't know, crystal light lemonade, you mix it in, and then I say, all right, and I separate the lemon from the water. It, it's there, it's together. I'm, I'm a fully developed whole human. I am fully a computer scientist, but I'm also fully a Catholic Christian. Uh, you know, the Lord resides in me and, and I love the Lord and that flows from me. Now, not always, I'm, I'm not perfect. And I am so grateful for the sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, but my, the best me, the best James is the one where the Lord is fully alive in me and is a curious academic as well too. And I mean, the other thing too, I mean, the part of my faith too is I'll start class with a prayer. It's one of the nice things about being at a Catholic university is that we're able to pray uh, and nobody bats an eye and, and they're like, yeah, that's what we do. And we, and really we end our little stallion form of the prayer is really interesting. It always begins. Let's remember we're in the presence of God. This came back from St. LaSalle and his early brother says, where you are, know that God is there. And then we end with asking uh, St. John Baptist tell us how to pray for us and live Jesus in our hearts forever. So it's the idea that Jesus is not just an abstract idea, not just a good teacher, but it's a real living being in our hearts that, you know, in communion, we literally take the Lord into us. And then what does that mean for us? How does that then cause us to be transformed and to to act in our world.
it's very powerful. Yeah, it definitely seems powerful. I think that goes back to your earlier point. I was going to touch back on in a little bit about experiencing God and the fact that you guys can pray, you know, so openly and boldly to, you know, a founding member of your university or not a university, but a founding saint that you guys have cemented with his legacy in your university and, you know, experience him in the communion of the in communion with like all other saints is, is a powerful experience with God. I, and the other thing about great by being Catholic and not to diminish any other Christian nomination, but, you know, I'm very pro-Catholic, excited about it, was that from the teachings throughout the 20th century of various popes and various fathers, including St. John Paul II, that there is no conflict between faith and reason. And it really is great about being an academic at a Catholic university in the School of Sciences, where we have biology, we teach evolution, uh, we search uh, astronomy, we look to the stars. And it, my good friend, Brother Omar Barthel, he passed away, he was a Holy Cross brother. I worked in Austin at St. Edward's University, Holy Cross School. I want to ask him, how do you reconcile being a Catholic brother and being this preeminent physicist? And he went, James, it's simple. Science is never going to learn or discover anything that's going to scare my God. And it just went, that's real, that, that is very simple, and, but important and very true. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. The, uh, they both work, they work in harmony with each other, science and reason. And especially, you know, in the Christian tradition, we have all these, we have 2,000 years worth of, you know, rich, harmonious, working together with reason and faith in like the doctors of the church, the philosophers, and, you know, the many cathedral schools that the church had produced in medieval times. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely powerful. You know, as we conclude this interview, I definitely want to thank you for your time and, you know, sharing your wisdom and expertise in this field of computer science and also sharing your faith journey that is um, so, so empowering and impactful. And I think a lot of people with children uh, will definitely be able to resonate with, um, you know, your son evangelizing you <laughs> uh, in a way. So that's definitely something I got from it as I'm raising my own son. So thank you for sharing that story. Well, I want to thank you for what you do in your ministry here, whether you conceive of his ministry or not. I think it's very important to hear so many different voices. So people hear my story, someone connects, that's great. Uh, but just like the saints, there's so many different saints in my lives, living people, hearing and learning from people, because the word Catholic means universal. It's all of us. God wants all of us. And the more we hear and listen to each other, I think the better that is, and it's just a blessing. So thank you for what you do. Yes, most definitely. Thank you. So um, that's going to conclude this time. You guys keep James in your prayers and his family in your prayers and continue to listen to the podcast and stay tuned for the next episode.